And welcome into the Palisade Podcast. I'm Will McGough. Good to have you on board. We're talking travel today with Julianne Adams. She's the head of the Palisade Tourism Advisory Board, also referred to as TAB. But first, we're going to have a quick Palisade news update. Well, guys, it's 2024. Happy New Year. And that means it is election time. We'll select our next president in November. But before then, this April, Palisade gets to vote on a new mayor. Who are the candidates? Well, we don't know yet. You can still apply if you want to be a candidate. Applications are being accepted until January 22nd. And there's not that many qualifications you need to run here. You got to be 18 years or older. You have to be a registered elector. And you have to have lived in the town of Palisade within the city limits for the past 12 months consecutively. Other than that, you're good to go. The same goes for any of the three board of trustee positions that are going to be open. So if you want more details, hop on the town of Palisade website. Look forward to covering the upcoming elections here on this program, as I am not going to apply. The tagline here is, if you're interested in joining your local government and being a part of making decisions that affect you and your neighbors, that's the part that's hard. Making decisions for myself is okay. Making decisions that affect my neighbors, no thanks. Moving from the town politics into the wilderness, they have released the wolves in Colorado. If you haven't been following this story, you've missed a lot. Five wolves that came from Oregon were released in Grand County, Colorado, last month in December before the holidays. This was a culmination of a three-year process and a lot of back and forth about whether or not this was a good idea. If you want to learn more about that whole situation, you can listen to the last episode with Ryan Sapina from Seek Outside. He's an avid hunter. We spoke at length about the wolf controversy and introduction into Colorado. But they are here. They are beginning to roam. There's been some cool photographs out there on the internet. Photographers capturing the wolves out in Grand County. So check it out. They've also been doing some great reporting at the Sentinel on this. The latest drama is that some of the wolves that were selected to come here from Oregon have been known to prey on livestock in the past. There's also some good drama about whether or not they should release more wolves to Colorado as they have planned. Since our guest Julianne today is uh, head of the Palisade Tourism Board, how about an update on the Grand Junction Airport? Some good news for this year in 2024. Starting this month, United flights to Denver will be getting a little bit bigger. They're going to increase the size of its aircraft from 76 seats all the way up to 126 seats per flight. So a lot more availability. Hopefully that will take prices down a little bit. We'll see. There's also a new airline coming into Grand Junction Airport. The airline is called Breeze Airways. Not a very well-known one. It is going to start two new direct flights out of Grand Junction Airport, though. In February, we're going to start a flight to Orange County outside of L.A. That'll be direct. And then in May, they're going to fly to San Francisco direct. So pretty cool. We've had the L.A. flight before. San Francisco, can't remember if we've ever had it, but certainly not recently. I have never flown Breeze Airways. I'd really never even considered it or heard of it very much. But from everything I'm reading... Sounds like it's going to be just as miserable as any other airline. So I wouldn't bank on any great experience. I would just be happy that we can get new places. All this is part of a $200 million renovation and upgrade being done at Grand Junction Airport. 
Most of it is being done in order to attract new airlines. That's kind of how this works. Airports have to make themselves attractive to airlines to come in and show the airline that they can not only support big flights and big planes, but also draw enough traffic through there to support the routes and fill the flights over the long haul. The cool thing to think about this too is how the flights work both ways. So people from San Francisco and LA could potentially be coming to visit us here in the Grand Valley, which I think is pretty cool. So now let's roll into the main part of our program, an interview with the head of the Palisade Tourism Advisory Board, Julianne Adams. She's also the owner of VIN 79 Winery located near Sauvage. If you haven't been, check it out. It's a Western saloon-themed tasting room, so very unique. I first met Julianne when I was a part of the Palisade Tourism Board a couple years ago. Those of you that have been listening to this show know that I am in the travel business as a travel writer and tour guide. Some of you who are just coming around now, welcome to the show. I am a travel writer and tour guide, so tourism is extremely near and dear to my heart. find it super interesting. I just find Palisade fascinating, the phase we're in, the rise of tourism here in our little small town, the assets we have here in the peach and vineyards and the mountains and all the things there are to do, but just how we're going to manage that growth going forward and how we're going to avoid all the tourism pitfalls we find all across the world. So when I got the opportunity to sit down with Julianne, couldn't pass it up. We're going to break down her conversation into a series of segments, which I think will be cool to help us really hone in on the key details that we're talking about here in tourism. Our first segment is going to dive into visitation and how the COVID pandemic impacted that. And then to just kind of look into the fallout of that and how tourism numbers have been in recent years here in 2022 and 2023. Let's take a listen. So you, you guys were really busy this summer. The town seemed to be really busy. The town was busy. Um, you know, we were looking at numbers, and um, 22 was definitely, we, we say, you know, because we're still we're still recovering from COVID. So I think any any statistics you look at right now are kind of tainted because 20, 2020 and 2021, we weren't really normal. Yeah. So it's hard to go back. So I look at, I kind of like go back to 2019 and look to say, what were we doing in 2019? Because 2019 was a really good year. And so you always go back to there, and we're about, this year we're about where we were, a little over where we were in 2019. 2020, 21, we had decent years for the fact that it was COVID. Palisade did pretty well. But this year we're seeing a little bit of a, of a decline from the numbers that we had last year. About 91% of what we were last year. Not bad. But I think part of that is that people have more choices now. International travel, they can go anywhere they want. So it, we're probably not, they've already been here. So we're not going to do it again this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Which makes sense. You know, but when you have a little more competition, we'll have choices, and so we may not, we may not be the one that they choose. But we're still doing okay. How do we compare to 2019? We're a little bit higher than 2019. A little bit, so a little bit of growth since then, yes. just a little down yes. since last yes. year. Because 2019, like I said, was a great year. We were, we were probably the highest we were. Um, and then 2020, of course, you know, we, we were definitely down, but not as down as we thought. Because when COVID first started, it was the beginning of the year, so when we met as a board, and of course the state tourism was also saying, you know, we really don't want you encouraging people to visit because we were all wondering, you know, what's going to happen. So we pulled a lot of our advertising. And again, we thought nobody comes to the hotel. We're completely 100% financed by the lodging tax. So if nobody stays in the hotels, in the motels and the RBOs, we're not making any money. So we don't have any money to go in advertise. So we pulled anything that we could pull. 
And we just said, we're just going to go mostly social. And it was um, really more about responsible visiting, those kind of things. We really didn't encourage a whole lot. Um, we didn't do anything in Utah like we normally do or outside the area. Uh, so we're being really conservative. So we, we pulled back on the advertising part. But Mesa County was a safe area to travel to. So Mesa County had less uh, cases than everybody else did. So, And we had that um, Blue Star program that yeah. Mesa County Health Department started. That helped tremendously because people felt, we can go wine tasting. It's outdoors. It's We can sit, we're drinking alcohol. So they felt a little safer. So we were very surprised that we ended up getting, at the end of the year, we were only about 600 dollars short of what we anticipated we would have. Wow. Which we thought, wow, we didn't do too badly. But still, 21 came around and 21 was still a recovery year. So we were about the same as 2020. And then 22, we spiked up and last year was phenomenal. But this year, you know, we're still good. We still have a lot of people that are staying here, but just not as much as so if you didn't catch that last part, she said down a little bit from 2022, meaning that this year the number of visitors was a little bit less than the previous year. Later, we'll talk a little bit about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or if it is a thing and what it means for a tourism board to try and grow their numbers every year and just the consequences of that, the benefits of that, and how the growth of tourism can be managed along the way. One other interesting thing I love from that first segment is her mentioning how the tourism board is funded by people who stay in the hotels via a lodging tax. And so I think that's really important for people here to understand. There's this misconception I see sometimes when talking to people or reading comments that they think that tourism is directly being funded by our tax dollars, which is not true. All the tourism marketing that happens, all the tourism planning that goes on via the TAB, the Tourism Advisory Board, is funded by a hotel tax that is paid by visitors. So I wanted to ask Julianne a little bit more about that, where they get the money from, and how they spend it. And so let's take a listen. I think that's important to reiterate. I don't know if a lot of people realize where the Tourism Board funding comes from. Yes. And 100% of it comes from the lodging tax. Yes. So you have to stay either Spoken Vine, yep. Wine Country, Country Inn, the base camp, base camp, or any of the VRBOs in town. And including like bed and breakfast, yep. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And all those, what is the tax? That How much is that per night that they... So they our tax is, they're paying $6 per night per room, but $4 comes to the lodging, the, the, the tourism board, $2 goes to the firehouse and what's public safety. For events and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And they have to use the, that $2 for yes. event management, things like that. That's mm -hmm. kept aside. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Training, um, like the police department um, bought the e-bikes so they can actually be on bikes. So those kind of things um, are what we're trying to get them to do. Okay. So we're getting so, a little bit of extra money that the Yeah, I think that's great for people to realize because we'll get into it a little bit. But as you know, <laughs> the community always yeah. has comments about tourism yeah. and think yeah. that we're just wildly spending their money and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And yeah. no money is actually coming from no. taxpayers in Palisade yeah. to spend on tourism. Exactly. Which is a great and a good thing that you want. Yes, exactly. And we... And we, we really want to emphasize that because like you said we don't want people to think that we're using their tax dollars that they're paying um it's not it's not sales tax it's not uh, property taxes everything comes from those lodging dollars and uh, 100 percent 
And, um, and, and like I said, now $2 of our lodging tax is going to public safety. So, you know, in, in an indirect way, that still helps the residents as well. Of course. Um, event management. Yeah, it's and event management. Emergency response. And we all know what happens when we have a festival on the weekend. Our town becomes crazy and nobody can park anywhere and you can't get to the restaurants. And can't turn we, out of your street. We get that. <laughs> we get that. But, you know, that also contributes to the sales tax of the town. And that sales tax dollars is what pays for sidewalks and the street maintenance and the fire department, police department. So that's that's what we want to do is to encourage that as well. And what do you guys mostly spend the money on? So it's on different campaigns. So we do a lot of marketing outside the area. So the front range is our number one resource for people that come to this area is the front range. And so we do um, we do marketing, marketing campaigns over there, print advertising like 5280, things like that nature. Don't do any like TV or radio, just because it's a it's too short an exposure. We don't get enough out of that. So we would take, and they're so expensive. You're not doing a Super Bowl ad this year. <sighs> not doing a Super Bowl ad. God, we wish we could. <laughs> we have a very small budget, um, but um, yeah, I, I just want to give people a sense of where the money goes, yeah, right? So yeah. most of it is marketing, I'm guessing, well, front range, marketing. then Utah. Maybe yeah. some Texas, I'm yeah. guessing. Salt we Lake do. City. We have Texas monthly, so we do and we go into the Dallas Fort Worth area. We also go into Utah, and we have a campaign going on in Utah. We actually have three different campaigns going on in Utah. We have a radio, a, PB, a public radio station. We actually do a campaign with them, and it's amazing because people from Utah love us, and they really do come here. And so we do. We did a PBS uh, radio campaign. This is the third time we've done it, and we see a huge spike in our website when we know that things run. Because people are like, oh, let's go on there and figure out what's going on. They come and visit the Business Palisade website. So that's part of the dollars as well as we maintain a website um, where we have everybody on it. And we don't charge anybody to be on our website. So we have all the lodging, all the orchards, the farms, the vineyards, the wineries, restaurants, um, you know, everything we have on there. And it doesn't cost them anything to be on there. And so we maintain that. We just updated it this year. So we spent a little over $10,000 doing that. We do have a, uh, a marketing agency that's in Fort Collins that we um, hire to basically do all the media buys for us, all the graphic design, you know, um, uh, collateral. They do all that stuff. They came here and did it. They've done it. They do it three times a year, but they come in and do a complete um, photo shot. So they do some video. They do still shots. They do some action shots, and they put little short videos together that we can put on social media. So we have them do that. We also do um, we also do a couple sponsorships. Cameo Shooting Range has some amazing conferences that come down here, and one in particular is called The Girl and a Gun, and they're here in April, which is the beginning of our season. And there's last year that the last year there was 600 women that came here with their families, their support staff. They were here for a week of shooting. They love Palisade. They love coming here to shop and to eat and to pick up wine. So um, that was the "Give Us a Shot" campaign, right? Yes, I think I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So the little, the, the little targets. The, yeah, yeah, I liked that a lot. Yeah. So we made these stickers with their last little targets, and they were stickers, and we put them in their welcome bags. So we do a five hundred dollars sponsorship, which gives us, which just allows us to do that. So we do a sponsorship to give us that access to be able to put things in their welcome bag. We actually put a booth up at their in their welcoming day when they come in and register. 
we have a booth there, and we hand out all the Palisade stuff. We bring in everybody's rack cards. We have maps. We do all that kind of stuff. The uh, the tear-off map that we just moved to a while ago, that tear-off map is made by the visitors, by the, um, the tourism board, because we love the fact that uh, it's an easy, easy map to just tear off. It's, it's one page. Everybody's on it. I see um, people using it all the time, it's standing on a corner looking at Looking at it, and trying to figure it out. Um, you know, we love the Chambers Adventure Guide, but basically that, that is for their members. And so we have a lot of people that are not necessarily in, as, in, in a, the chamber or as a member, and so they don't get that opportunity. So people would come by and go, well, where is this wine? Why is this winery not on here? Why is this forager not on here? And you, know, you don't want to go, oh, well, they're not members. They don't want to pay for it, whatever. So we decided as a tourism board, we, we basically market everybody. doesn't matter. So we made these maps up um, because we had heard too many people saying, we can't find this person. We don't know who this person is. Where is this? You know, this there's a listing on here that's not there anymore. So we just said, that's it. We're just going to make a map that's from the visitor center that is for everybody. So every farm is on there. Every winery is on there. Um, the hardest thing is we print it in February. And if a new business opens in April, <laughs> they're not on the map because um, we can't print it again. But, uh, well, what do you do? I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it is what it is. But it, they, people love them. They get used all the time. We also do, do a uh, postcard. So we have postcards that we hand out. All the businesses that in, in town have them. They can hand them out. They're for free. And they're stamped already. The town actually puts a stamp on them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, this year, actually, um, Pally Tours, Dave Smith actually paid for the postage this year for the postcards. So it was a great little sponsorship that he did. But we hand them out, and for here especially, I probably, and I'm not kidding, I probably go through a dozen or so every weekend, and we have them fill them out while they're sitting here. We'll have we'll hand them a postcard and say, would you, like to write, would you like to write a postcard to someone in your family or friend to tell them how much fun you're having in Palisade? And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. I haven't written a postcard forever. And so it's just that idea of getting them to the idea of writing an actual note to that. someone. And they absolutely love these postcards. We did about 3,000 of them for the past two years. And we go through every... In fact, we're already down. To, we don't have any more. Um, I think I have maybe 10 left. Um, and it's like, good. This is the end of the season, so we'll make it. But that's something that we, that we do. And it's free. And But we pay for it. But we want to make sure that we're marketing. Because when that postcard goes out, and it goes everywhere. I mean, it goes all over the country. And when that postcard is getting picked up, it's like, oh, my God, there's a Palisade. We're advertising Palisade to yeah. someone outside the area who's not here. But um, And they wrote the message when they were buzzed, drinking their wine. And they, and they so wrote the message. Really good. It's really good. Um, and we had, and it was kind of cute because we had uh, some young people here that we handed the postcard to, and they looked at me and said, how do I do this? Seriously? Seriously. Oh, they God. had never done a postcard. They didn't know what... What do you do with it? Are like, we at oh, that point now where people don't know what postcards are? I, they were there. <laughs> they were over 21. Okay. Well. <laughs> we know that. But still, um, but it's not something people do anymore. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, I feel like it's such a traveler's thing. Though, it is. When it you is. go somewhere, it, even if you it don't is. send it, you would buy one just as a. Just as a memento. Yeah. So, take home, um, put it on your fridge, something yeah, like that. Yeah. But the, 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 the funny thing is when people pick one off, they look at it and they go, oh my God, it's going to stamp on them already. Yeah, that's yeah. a good move. Because then, like, if they yeah. don't, they don't have the stamp. They're not going to mail it. They're not going to mail yeah. it. So we tell them, and if you write it now, I'll actually put it in the mailbox for you. Perfect. And they look at me and go, oh, "You really will? <laughs> yep, I will do that as well." So they fill them out. We drive. We have a, I have a little, a little uh, box that I put outside, and they just drop them in the box, and then I take them to the post office. So um, and I always look to see where they're going. 
and it's everywhere. It's Florida, New York, Maryland, California, Washington, Texas, Indiana, Chicago. I mean, they're, they are going all over the place, which is great to see that they're not just locals. Do you guys have a sense uh, with your numbers about where people are visiting from? Obviously, the major markets you major discussed, mar Texas, Utah, uh, Texas, Utah. Range. We are getting, a, we're, this year especially, we're seeing a, a bigger um, draw in from Midwest. So, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan. Are people driving or flying? Both. Yep. Because there's Actually. direct flights from Dallas, Phoenix, mm -hmm. and Denver right now. Yeah. We lost San, Salt Lake City, we lost I Salt Lake think. City. Yeah. So they'll, they're willing to take a connection to get here. Yeah, That's but a lot of them are flying into Denver because what they're doing is they're making it a trip. They'll do a Colorado road trip. They're doing a Colorado road trip. So they're flying into Denver. But we have, you know, of course, again, after COVID, RVing became a bigger thing. And we have had, uh, i talked to an awful lot of, they're basically they're nomads. They call themselves the nomads. And they basically have sold their house and they're in a RV, and they're just traveling all over the country. Perfect so, place to stop. And base camp Settle is wonderful base for camp us. For a while. Yep, yeah. because they they love it there. And so, it's either, and if they can't get into base camp, they're either at you know James Rob the state state park or someplace in Junction. Yeah. Because um, we do have a lot of people that are still staying in Junction because Palisade only has so many rooms. So we do have a lot of overflow that stays in stays in Junction. They just come here for the day, which is great. Um, or they're staying in our VRBOs. So there's a lot of VRBOs. Yeah. Not more now than there used to be. So we're seeing a lot of that as well. But, but yeah, so we're getting a lot of Midwest. And the nice thing about this year especially, because, again, we've come, we're coming out of COVID, and I think this year was really truly the first year that we were normal and there wasn't any restrictions. People didn't feel like they couldn't go anywhere. So we had a lot more international travelers, a lot more. I had people here from Russia. I had people Russia? here from Russia. Really? Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, France, Germany. England, Australia, Argentina, Chile. That's kind of cool too, because you work the bar here, right? Yep. So oh, yeah. you not only you're the head of tourism, but you're here, and they'll just tell you. So you get a really good sense of yeah. the visitors coming through. Yeah, yeah. Because I always ask. Yeah. Because it's not just a matter of like what kind of wine do you want. I always want. I also ask him. So, where are you visiting from? Yeah. What's your story? What's your story? What, what are you angle doing? are you taking? Because as much as they want to know what I'm doing, I want to know what they're doing. So that creates that that conversation and that relationship and that makes them feel like, oh my gosh, she wants, really wants to know what we're doing. And, and, and it's great too, because that asks questions like, well, where would you recommend going to dinner or where can we go and pick fruit? That kind of stuff. And so that's what we want. We want to get that whole package. So as it is, we, I said, a lot, our, our businesses do not, are not just here for business. We're also here for, for as ambassadors for the town, because we really do want them to enjoy everything. A little bit of cool insight there from Julianne into where the money comes from for the tourism board and how it's being spent, some of the projects they have going on to try and not only attract but educate tourists. Next, we're going to move into how tourism is being received in Palisade and how Palisade is going to judge the success of tourism. There are many different ways the tourism industry can judge success. Each destination does it a little differently, but as Julianne and I will discuss, there are some common ones. So I wanted to know more about how the town of Palisade plans to view the success of tourism in the future and how it plans to reach that goal and manage growth along the way, especially concerns from local residents about over-tourism and things like that. Let's have a listen. 
I'd like to talk a little more about just tourism in general, and we can open this discussion and take it slow because this is a lot of things I've been thinking about, and I know that we did that policy game plan mm -hmm. a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. Who knows with time anymore how yeah. long ago it was. But there was a lot of thought put into the future of Palisade yeah. and what's it going to be like. Yeah. And we know that tourism is going to be a part of that. And so I'm curious just to start this off, and there's many avenues we can get into, but with the numbers you were talking about, just the way we talk about tourism traditionally is how did we do this year compared to last year? Right. And that's how pretty much every destination does it around the world. Right. They have different names for it. It used to be heads and beds, yep. and now it's just more of financial tourism dollars, how much is being spent. Yep. So when we measure by that way, the only way we can judge success mm -hmm. is by growth. Mm -hmm. So we need more visitors and more spending. Yep. Mostly it's been about volume for destinations. Mm -hmm. Some have realized that, well, if we don't want to increase our visitors, we need to increase how much people spend. spend. So let's get rid of budget travelers and only bring in luxury travelers, for example. Some destinations have tried that. Mm -hmm. uh, is that fair? Maybe not, but that's what some people do. So I'm curious how what conversations you guys are having. You don't need to have an answer necessarily because we don't know what the future is going to be. It's for the town to decide. Right. But what are your conversations like on the board now where we are? We're judging success year over year by how many people come and how much spending we make. Right. But we see we're in a small town. So right. we're in a very pivotal point where we don't quite have the infrastructure to handle like even right. what we have almost. Mm -hmm. is people, right. We see a lot of complaints Absolutely. on Facebook. And mm -hmm. I know no one comes to the meetings. We can talk about that later. But people are still you know, at the water cooler kind of complaining. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys talk about in that? Is there a sweet spot? Is what it, Could it be a good thing if we have less tourism one year? How do you guys, what do you talk about? You know... We're, we're, we, all, we, do, we do talk about this. This is the conversation that we have every month at our meetings. So we recognize, especially after the comprehensive plan, we recognize that Palisade is only so big. Other areas, when they think about tourism, they also think about future growth. And so they know, okay, well, as we grow as a town, we can also grow tourism at that same level. We can't do that here because our town is what it is. We're not... We don't have the space. We don't have any more land to push out and say, we're just going to grow further west and then we'll become a bigger palisade and, and pick up and have room for more people. You don't. So we know that there's a limit to us. And we also have a unique situation where we have the town center. That's where our funding comes from. But part of our tourism picture is outside of palisade. A lot of it is. So majority of our yeah. farm farms, the majority of our wineries... They're outside of the 10 limits. So we have to watch them as well and protect them and bring them business as much as we do inside the town of Palisade, which is why our, with our website, it's not just the town. It's 81526. That's what we look at. But we do recognize that we just can't keep bringing people, bringing people, bringing people, and growing, 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 because once they get here, if we don't have the resources, they're not going to have a good time. Correct. Because if they can't find parking, if they can't get into the restaurant, if they can't get into the hotels, then if the we locals know, are cranky and treat them rude. If the, yes, yeah. if they're if they meet people on because that's the one thing we love and what we hear all the time is oh my god, are we so friendly? Yeah. There's such a vibe here in Palisade. They love when they go to the. In fact, I've heard it over and over again when they go to the brewery or they go to the delivery and they go, it's really where we feel like we're a local. Yeah. So they're hanging out with the locals, right? So it's that kind of vibe, and we know we have to protect that, right? We don't want to lose that because that's why they come here. So there's a very fine line of, yes, we want to maintain what we're doing, 
you always want to create create new tourism because you can't just depend on everybody. Not 100% of the people who were here last year are going to come back again. So we know we have to replace maybe 60% of those people because the rest of them will not come back for whatever reason. And so we're always constantly watching that. So we don't do things on a large scale. That's why we're very direct about we go to Utah, we go to Texas, we go to the Front Range because we know that's the majority of the people are coming from. And if we have an opportunity to do something outside, it has to be really targeted to someone that we know is, is a good fit for us. And then we also are aware that we once they are here, we have to make sure that they act right, mm. that they're responsible, <laughs> that they aren't picking peaches where they shouldn't be or riding their bikes in the middle of an orchard or going down one of the, one of the farm roads or be, you know just being somewhere they shouldn't be or doing something they shouldn't be doing. So we just, in fact, just this week, we have um, been awarded a grant from CTO, and it's called a Destination Development Program. It's a mentorship program. We're going to have 100 hours with a mentor for the next year, and our specific project is we are going to do a campaign about doing Palisade right. And so, and when that's over, we should be able to implement whatever we decide to do with this message, and we're going to spend a lot of money next year with that campaign message going out. Because we want you to visit, but we want you to act right and behave, right? But yeah, so we know... So we know we're not. We don't have any plans of of, in, of increasing our reach or putting out much more money. It's, we, we have what we have, so there's not. We don't get increases every year. It's pretty much we're pretty much right about the same same amount. Um, so we know our campaigns are pretty stagnant. But we also know we we know we don't have the growth in the town. So we're just no. This is what we have. This is what we have. So we market what we have, our resources, and we we really push the idea of we're a small town. We're an agricultural town. You know, when you come here, it's not going to be, we're not going to have the high scrapers. We're not going to have 10 different restaurants to choose from. You're not going to eat after 10 p.m. You're not going to eat after 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, this is how it is. And yeah. so if they come in, if we, if, they, if we deliver that message and they come here with that expectation, then they should have a good time. But if we're going to push something that's not what we are, then we're going to have a disappointed visit. And so uh, I don't think that's the right thing to do either. Yeah, that makes so, sense. How do you see, because there's definitely going to be a difference between how a business owner in town mm-hmm. will look at it versus someone who works in another industry. Yeah. So a business owner may say, I want tourism to keep growing because yeah. it's great for my business. Yeah. And someone else may say, who's just a resident, well, I don't want tourism to keep growing because it's bad for my quality of life. Right. How do you guys manage that? And do you think that we're already at capacity or do you see, can we handle more people next year? Like if the numbers think, were to increase, you know, I think we can. I think we can handle smart people because, like I said, majority of those people are going outside of town. Majority of those people are visiting farmers and wineries outside of the actual city limits. They're going back to the city to hopefully, as we want them to do, is we're pushing them to town to go eat, go shop, you know, go to the grocery store, you know, picking up stuff. And if you need something at the co-op, we want them to spend money here. Spend that money they spend here. That turns into sales tax dollars. Yeah, sales tax dollars here. turn into, they stay right here in Palisade. Yeah. So we want them to spend money. Um, so we have room for them to be around the outside of the area. And I think what happens, and again, we don't do any events. Like we don't market, like we don't put any money into actual 
Peach Fest or We Fest. Tap or We the Winery? Tap. Tap, okay. So Tap does not put money or dollars into actual marketing for any of the events that happen. But the events do, I think, highlight or escalate that feeling of, oh my God, there's too many people in town. Because we got them all in one weekend. Yeah. So you suddenly have 5,000 more people here during Peach Fest or Wine Fest or Bluegrass. And so we feel the pain of that more so during those weekends. And then it kind of spills over into the following couple weekends or the weekend before that the tourists that are here or something like we kind of like still feel that pain, but they're really not the ones that did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we do have to put up with those festival times because that's just Palisade is, is, is festival centric. Yeah. The Palisade chamber, it's their fundraiser cave. It's their fundraiser. So, you know, unless those two go away, we're still going to have wine fest. We're still going to have peach fest. And so, but peach fest and wine fest both help the wineries and the peach orchards and the restaurants and the gas stations. It, we're making people spend money here as well. So that does help those businesses, even though they may not see it all the time, but those festival weekends really do kind of like, it's like, I always say it's like an injection of a booster. Yeah. It's a marketing for Palisade too. Cause someone would come for the bluegrass yes. festival, not really even knowing what Palisade is. And then and discover like, oh, this is a cool place. We're coming back. I want to come back. So you are generating future business for Palisade. And what I love, too, is we have people that will come for a festival or come for a wine fest weekend or a, just come for a weekend just to enjoy our, 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 our town, and they decide to live here. So they are moving here. Well, if we can gain residents, that's part of economic development. So that's a good boost for the town as well. We want to have new people move into town. Because, yeah. again, when you're living here all year, you're spending money in town as well. You've got, now you have residential tax, and so property tax, and you have an investment in Palisade now. So we, so it has a, it does two things. It actually generates tourism, but it also generates future residents for Palisade. I think you can get ready for, I mean, speaking for myself, mm-hmm. I think if you have a festival weekend, you expect it to be busy. Yep. And so when you have that expectation, it's yep. fine. Yep. The trouble we get into is if we become a small town that on a Monday is just crazy for no reason. It's like, oh my God, there's no break. Right, I yeah. think Calisade used to be that way, where it's very dead, yeah. and then you'd have a festival weekend, right. and everyone was kind of right. like, "Well, there's something to do, yeah. and it's a little crowded, but who cares?" Yeah. But now, as we fill the other times of year as well, yeah. it does, people aren't feeling like they're going to break. We had, we had, we still had a busy season for the summer. Year, I would say pre-COVID. I would even say before, let's say 2018, even 2019. We had a good tourism season, but we didn't have what we have, what we're seeing now. We've escalated quite a bit. But we're getting discovered. And I think yeah. COVID was part of that. Because, again, when people couldn't go anyplace else, they came here. They road tripped. They road tripped. Yeah. Because where can we go in, a, in our car that is safe, that we feel comfortable, and we'll have fun? Yeah. And we were so safe. good. We didn't have our first death, if I remember right. So I think August of 2020 in Mesa County. Yes. Which was I mean, I have family on the East Coast. It yeah. was like night and day. They, I would tell them, oh, I'm sitting on my front porch tonight. And they're like, what? <laughs> You're going outside of your house? What are you doing? Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I just went hiking today on the Mesa, right? We went hiking. But they couldn't. It they, was so much different out here. Yeah. And yeah, people from Denver, I think, flocked yeah. out here yeah. just to get a breath of yeah. air. Yeah. And of course, that was the year we opened. And I was, again, being the fact that I'm on the tourism board, it's still, and I was on the chamber board for chamber for years before that. 
And it always just catches me off guard when someone walked in and said, God, I've lived here for 15 years, didn't know we have one. What? Didn't even know, I'd never been to Palisade. I'd driven by going to Moab, but never stopped here. And COVID made him stop. And so we got discovered. And so that's what we're seeing now is this aftermath of COVID where we got discovered and people are going, oh my God, this is such a cool place. You know, I had, I had a customer that came in one time and they were sitting at a restaurant in Dallas and they were talking about the fact that they were coming through Colorado. They were going to do wine country and the table next to them overheard what they were saying and he stopped them and said, oh my gosh, did I just hear you say you're going to Palisade, Colorado? And, we, and they said, yes, we are. We're, you know, we're just kind of like planning our trip. And so he goes, I'm going to give you three wineries you have to go to. And we're one of them. And this, these people told me, said, we had to tell you this. Do you have a friend in, Palis- in Dallas? And I said, I have no idea. But he had known and known enough about what we had had, had here that he recommended to them where they should come while they were here. That's amazing. And they said, so we we came here because of, their, of his recommendations. So you never know where someone's going to talk to somebody, yeah. you know, and, and send them our way. Um, so tourism is not just what we do. It's also the experience of what they get when they're here that they take back home with them. And if they had a good experience, they're going to tell all their friends. Yeah. And then they bring, then they plan another trip and they come back and they bring those friends with them. And so it's just a, it's a, basically it's a, it's a snowball that just keeps growing. But again, like I said, we are very aware that we only have so much to work with and that we can't just keep going and keep growing because there's going to be, there's going to be a limit. But that's why we, we uh, applied for this grant, particular grant, because we knew we, we wanted, we wanted a specific campaign that just is to help people when they get here. No, I act. So what are some of those things? You mentioned some like don't pick fruit don't on pick a... Fruit. <laughs> don't ride uh, your bike somewhere you shouldn't be. Yes. It's amazing. I was talking to someone about this. It's something about travel that just mm-hmm. turns people back into children yes. to where they feel entitled to do whatever they want yeah. because yeah. I don't even know if they think in their mind, oh, I'm spending money here. I can do it. I just think that they're like free and they... I'm, I'm just going to pick a peach because I'm having so yeah. much fun. Right. It's like, right. dude... Someone's fun. You know? <laughs> I don't know if they're even conscious of it. It's just, hey, there's something about travel. There's fruit that in that it. tree right here by the side of the road. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's. It, do they think that because it's on the side of the road that it's public property, and they can they go could, pick? They couldn't possibly. I just think they're not thinking. They're not thinking, yeah, right? Just, I always say they, they forget and they leave their manners at home. Yeah. So that's what we want to remind them. So we don't want to be. We also don't want to have the message be, you know, like we're shaking our finger at you and saying, don't be a bad boy, you know, or a bad girl when you're here. We don't want it to be that kind of message or a negative message because we don't want to turn them off by coming here. But we just want to be a positive reinforcement of saying, this is how you're going to be. If you really want to be local, this is how we act. This is what we do. This is how you can have a good time by doing these things. Yeah. So um, it's just being responsible. And, and alcohol is going to be part of that conversation because we do have a very unique, that when they come here, they're not just hiking and biking. They're also drinking. Oh, yeah. So And we want them to drink, right? I mean, that's the that's point, the, right? The point. That's what we're pushing. <laughs> yeah. It's fruit it's wine. It's fruit and wine, right? Yeah. So, but it's like, you know, still be responsible. You can have a great time and still be responsible. Yeah. So um, so it's it's that combination of all those messages. So that's what we're going to be working on. So. It's amazing. It's a new time, too, because that story in Dallas, for example, 
that probably has happened in the front range before, but about the peaches. Yeah. Most people Absolutely. would remember. And now for the first time, the yeah. area is starting to be discussed yeah. where yeah. the peach isn't even mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So has the wine, has the grapes surpassed the peach? No, I think we're still no. I think our peaches are still pretty pretty high up there. But what's gotten better is our wine. So I think that's the big key is that prior to let's just say the last six seven years, our wine really didn't appeal to a lot of people. It was fruit and it was sweet. And so it wasn't really when people thought about a wine country or a wine destination, they weren't necessarily thinking about Palisade. So that's changed. It's evolved. Our winemakers gotten a lot better. Our grapes are more established. So our wines now, we're making good wine. And we can we can pair our wine with anybody else's and anywhere. And I think our wines will be right will be matched to California or wherever. Because they're that good. I think magazines are starting to write about Colorado magazines, wine I mean, right up there with just other think about destinations. The, the, those articles that we're getting, the yeah. recognitions that we're getting. That's no, Decanter, Ordinary Fellow just won Ordinary a couple awards there. Mm-hmm. And it's just great because it encourages other wineries in this region yes. to apply. And, and you're no stranger to applying for an award. No. You know? So <laughs> are you helping to lead that charge for people Absolutely. to... Because I'm sure a lot of winemakers maybe don't even realize they could, you know, how to go through that process. Yeah, yeah. And even when I talk to amateurs, and I tell them, have you ever sent your wine to an amateur contest? And they go, no, it's not that good. How do you know? How do you know? Yeah. And what the best part about it is, is when you get those judges' notes back, and you can read a judge saying, you need a little more oak, or you or you put it on too long, you'll get notes back that will help you be a better winemaker. That's what you want. So send your wine. Yeah. You know, accept the feedback. Accept the feedback. Want the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't be afraid and if, of the and feedback. And if it's great that you win a medal to boot, hey, that's even that's, that's the sweet. Yeah. You know, that's the frosting on the cake. Um, but uh, but yeah, we want to we want to encourage people to to come to Palisade. And like I said, I think our wines are much better. So I think all that um, has just opened us up to be a, a destination, and people are coming here and they're hearing about. Palisade wine, wine country. Yeah. One way to alleviate the overcrowding that I think some people feel, and you guys did a great job with this map, I think that's why that's mm-hmm. so important, is because you want to spread people out. Right. If you have people all going to, let's say, a Times Square or right. a Bourbon Street, you know, right. you feel like, oh my God, so crowded here yeah. and inauthentic. But if you can make people aware of all the things on the outskirts and yeah. encourage them to go and do that, right. then you spread everyone out. And yeah. now, okay, you'll have some rushes at dinner time and this mm-hmm. and that. But throughout the day, it won't yeah. feel as crowded. Yeah. Do you guys really help? You know, I know you did the map, but mm-hmm. do you guys help promote businesses on the outskirts? And, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's that we don't have, like you said, we don't have a spot where there's a critical mass. That's what happens during a festival. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So yeah. when a festival happens, we suddenly have a critical mass of people all in one spot. That's why we feel it so badly. But when a normal day, we might have still, I mean, I, I would guess... We could have a thousand people through Palisade on a weekend, a normal weekend. A thousand people going through. Do you feel like it? You don't. Yeah. Because yeah. we're only seeing maybe 30, 40 at a time. We're yeah. not seeing that. They're not all going to the same winery at the same time. They're spread out. And so I think that the festivals, like I said, the festivals are going to they're going to be there, and we just know. Don't plan on going to our local restaurant at <laughs> the <laughs> festival. We don't. Yeah. You know, we've lived here 25 years. It's like, you know, we just know during Festival Weekend, we're heading someplace else, or we're not even going out at all, because we just know that it's, that's that's 
Winefest traffic. It's no different than we do the same thing when it's homecoming weekend or prom night. Don't try to go to a local restaurant drink prom night. Yeah, you don't go to Applebee's or homecoming. Don't go to Applebee's. <laughs> don't go to any of But, you know, but it's just like you just, you know, if you're, I mean, we live here, we love living here, and we think we're very lucky and we're privileged to live here, but we have those, we have those little those little hills we have to climb over every once in a while. Those are our little thorns. Is to it's festival weekend. Let's we now we know we have to be a little yeah. different. Yeah, well, makes so. sense. And hopefully, as a resident, you enjoy the festival as well. Yes, and we not just be a curmudgeon right? about it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, Go and have yeah, fun. There's some traffic and stuff, but if yeah. you live in town, yeah. you're not. You're yeah. always a bike ride yeah. away from wherever it is, exactly. so you can get exactly. down the river bend without parking. Yeah. And figure it out. But you're walk. you're still living in a fabulous place, and and I and I. Try to tell people too is like well think about it this way as well that when we create opportunities for rep, for tourism and tourists to come and visit us we that's the that's the catalyst of someone who wants to invest money in this town to do that because they know they're going to have the tourists to feed that company to feed that new restaurant to feed that new hotel or whatever it is um, because if we didn't have that you wouldn't have those nice restaurants either. Because that's what—that's the catalyst that brings them in, is they want to see that we can actually sustain them, and tourism is part of that. Well, it definitely is, because I hear people complain all the time about well, tourism, and then da 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 da. But it's like, yeah, just what you said—it supports the places. For example, in the winter, a lot of those places are closed because right. not enough locals support not them. Not enough locals come. So we want that—we kind of want our cake and eat it too. We yeah. don't want to go and support the restaurants. Yeah. But we want them to be yeah. there whenever yeah. we feel like, you know, yeah. so it's a complicated thing. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And we've, you know, and we've been asked so many times, like, to, to increase, say, the tourism traffic for during the week. Because basically everything comes on the weekend. Like I said, people work during the week. For the most part, those people are coming on the weekend. Yes, we have retirees and people that are just RVing and they don't have, or they're working from home remotely. So they have a little bit more flexibility. But for the most part, the weekend is a travel time. That's what everybody's doing. So we market for those tur- for those weekends. And so a lot of people have asked us, you know, do like a Sunday through Thursday type of campaigns. We can push more people here during the week. And that's what kind of holds us back. And we do, we do little things. Like we like in the wintertime, we'll try to do some up, up valley, up in the mountains. Because like those people, like the ski, the ski operators, they're busy all weekend, but they have weekdays off. Let's get them to come down. Get away from the snow and the mud. Let's come down here and have some fun. You can actually ride your bikes you know, because we don't have this. Yeah. So we'll do little things like that, but we don't want to put a large campaign to really draw that weekday traffic to the point that it matches the weekend traffic because we know the residents are not going to get a break. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're being sensitive to too, is that we know we like the fact that during the week, it's kind of like we get our town back, right? Yeah. It's kind of like what you feel like. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, we just got our town back. Yeah. So we don't want to share it. Every day of the week, we want to have, like you said, quiet Monday to go into town. You can walk anywhere and do anything you want because there's going to be there. Yeah. Well, I like both. I mean, I like my quiet walks, but I also yeah. like to come to a winery. And when there's a lot of people there, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Right? There's just yeah. not enough of us here locally with yeah. all the wineries to, yeah. unless there's an event or something. Right. So tourism adds a buzz. It's fun. Yeah. I've worked in tourism a long time. Yeah. I definitely see the downfalls of it. Oh, yeah. We're not blind to it. Right. That's why we're in an awesome position here yeah. in Palisade because we yeah. can control that and yeah. talk about it. And move forward right interesting stuff there from julianne on the growth of tourism i stand by what i said it's all about spreading it out and it's all about making people feel like they still have their town 
it's one thing when you have a festival every month, once a month, where things get crazy and crowded, provides a little bit of a buzz. It's another story when the tourism starts taking over your daily life. I think communication with the community between the community and the tourism board over this next couple of years is going to be just so imperative to the successful growth of tourism and the successful integration of everything that's to come here in Palisade. Okay, so now let's look forward to the future. What is Palisade going to look like as we go through the years here? Are we going to get another hotel? Are we going to have more Airbnbs? Currently, only a certain percentage of the population can have an Airbnb via town permit. But I make a suggestion to Julianne about a way to maybe loosen the regulations a little bit without going overboard. How many how many actual rooms do we have here? Do you know the total off the top of your head between the, the hotels uh, and the B&Bs and everything? Are... Like, if we were full, how many hotel rooms would be booked? It's probably about as much as you think. There's like 249. 249. Yeah, so we have basically 80 rooms at the hotel. There's 17 at Spoken Vine. There's 100 spots at Base Camp. And then we have 39 VRBO rooms. Um, so, yeah, and there's a couple of B&Bs. But there's, you know, to compare, Grand Junction has 3,500 rooms. They have 3,500. Wow. So they can fill 3,500 rooms every single night. We're like 1% of that. And how many of those people do you think staying in Grand Junction are actually coming to the Valley oh, to visit Palisade? I, I, a lot, yeah, right? A lot. I would say probably half the people that are staying in Grand Junction are coming here. Like they would want to stay here if they could find a room. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what exactly. are your thoughts long-term on that? Do you see Palisade up in its lodging? I would love to see us have another lodging. You would? I would love to see it. I think, I think we could definitely fill another hotel and it because again and not just because it gives us lodging tax dollars but it gives that opportunity for people to actually stay in palisade and spend money in palisade yeah because they would eat like most people who stay in junction probably just eat dinner there because they don't right. want to drive after dinner right. or all that right. or right exactly yeah. so because exactly. it's have... known if you stay if you if you're just coming for the day there's a number i was i was actually trying to look it up before you came but it's something like if you actually just stay for the day you're the average spent per person is like a hundred and something dollars. If you're spending the night, you've just increased it to more like almost three hundred dollars. Oh, that's interesting. So there's a huge difference. That's why we're so inclined and we want them to stay in Palisade, not just visit, because they spend more money. They eat the breakfast. They're having the breakfast. They're go out for gas. Drink at night, gas, all that. They're yeah. here picking yeah. up groceries for Going, the next wherever they're going. Stopping at Peach Shack and grabbing coffee. You know, it's those kind of things. So. We know, so we would love to see some more lodging opportunities happen in Palisade. What kind of lodging do you guys think would be ideal? Like hotel, talk, like another a, hotel. Like a big hotel. Now, not a big hotel because we're not fit for a big hotel. But I mean, another comparable property to like One Country and something that has maybe a hundred rooms. Yeah. Um, you know, so like um, I don't know what they call the yeah, Holiday Inn. Um, just something on a smaller scale that like a more of a boutique hotel, okay. more that fits in. To the you know did our to our um, character as well. Now you said Holiday Inn. I feel like I heard a rumor that, and not recently, but a couple years ago, when the whole frontage was being redeveloped, that they were considering coming in. Was that true? That it was the Holiday Inn, but it was a, a hotel complex that was looking at it. And ultimately, it just but didn't again, work. that was prior to our little sweep. Okay. And so the numbers weren't working. So they didn't think there were enough people here yet, mm-hmm. but now it's different. Since then, I've talked to a couple investors that now are like, oh, wait a minute, Palisade is definitely a place that they should put some money into. So 
we'll see what happens. But we will, again, like I said, when you create when you create an attractive uh, an attractive area that has sustained sustainability, people who have investing money will start looking at it because that's what that's what that's that catalyst that they need to say, yeah, it's worth getting in there. Yeah. And would that frontage road by the Golden Gate be the ideal place to put such a hotel? I think, think? so. Yeah. I think so. Instead We're of off the highway. Yeah, yeah. Instead of people uh, transitioning farmland into yeah. logging and property. Because we don't really want that to happen either. We yeah. want to protect because people come here because of our views. Our views are orchards and vineyards. Yeah. And so we don't want to we don't want to sacrifice a farmland, you know, unless it's something that's already been abandoned. Something like that, because yes, the fact that a ground can be turned into a vineyard or an orchard doesn't mean that it's if it's not there already, it's, it's somebody. It's a different kind of person that's going to invest that to make another orchard. Yeah. But somebody's going to invest into it to be a hotel or whatever. That's a different. Yeah. That's a I just wince at the thought, right? Okay, let's imagine a Holiday Inn goes up there, uh-huh. right? And then you have the subway. I don't even know if that's still getting built. I, you know, but imagine heard, you're looking heard, out the hotel window. You're in beautiful Palisade, yeah. but you're facing south out of your hotel room, and you're looking at the Golden Gate and then a, a subway. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. we want oh, to yeah. keep the vibe. Like it's one thing to so have more logic. Make sure they have they have a south viewing room or a north viewing room. So looking at the book left, yeah. or they have to look at all the orchards. Yeah. Um, Something so, that would, yeah. 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 But I just, it's yeah. laugh. I just laugh yeah. because thinking about that. But, Hopefully, they continue to deal with that and do yeah. a good job. I mean, I like Happy Camper up there. The building looks yeah. good. Maybe they can make yeah. some sort of complex yeah. that would yeah. people could walk I mean, to. Look at Wine Country Inn. I mean, when Wine Country Inn went in in 2008, there were people that even felt bad and felt, oh my God, we have a hotel coming in. That's going awful. Um, and yet, I think the Wine Country Inn is, is, was kind of like what turned people to actually stay in Palestine and notice us. Because yeah. before that, they just drove past the highway to go to Junction to stay. They never stayed here. Um, but that's such a beautiful property and it's a versus gorgeous property. me imagining like a, just a holiday, yeah. high-rise holiday yeah. inn yeah. or something. And that's where the town would come in and say, okay, yes, we want to build we want to build a small hotel, a small boutique hotel with maybe 100 rooms or whatever. We hope that the town would actually encourage them and say, you know what, we want you to make sure that your, your exterior matches our can they do that? Yes. Oh, that would be great. That. Yeah, that would because be great. Because we don't want, yeah, we don't want a just a mass tall building that's the ugly. Holiday inside no over the highway kind of vibe. Yes, Looking exactly. at the booklets and you exactly. see like a big neon sign. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it can, it can be tastefully done. It can. What do you think about Airbnbs? Just in general? In general, you know. In Palisade? I I am very much, I, I, I'm for VRB, VRBOs, Airbnbs, because there's a need for them. Um, because again, we don't have that many hotels and motel options, so VRBOs, BNBs, they offer them another 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 way to stay in town. But I think I'm 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 also very supportive. And when I was at the chamber, this was when it started. But I'm also very supportive of the town putting that limit on it, because otherwise, because we are such a small town, we could very easily become better community. Oh, yeah. Airbnb has destroyed some communities. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. And local renters, too. Yes. Like, they won't rent to local people right. because they can make more. Exactly. And we know. want to make sure that people can still afford to live here. And so, yeah, if you suddenly turn, we don't. if we let it just go unlimited, you'll have houses being bought up as the Airbnbs, as investment investments, and they will not be for long-term rentals. I agree. And then yeah. suddenly, people can't live here. So, I... What is the limit right now? It's 20. 
20? Is it a percentage of the it's population? It's a percentage of the population, which of course, our population is not going to change that much yeah. very quickly. So um, we've actually been talking to the town about maybe increasing that number just a little bit because we are seeing the need for people. I talk to people all, all day long, and you know, that was that's the answer. We would, oh, we tried to stay in Palisade, but there wasn't anything available. And so we ended up having to stay, we're staying in Airbnb, like down here, we have a lot down here on our road, um, or they're in Junction. So by not having enough lodging in town, we're pushing them outside. And then we lose the lodging tax dollars, we lose those sales tax dollars, but now they're not spending the money. Do they have to pay the sales tax if they're outside the city limits? Like, say they stay out by Carboy Winery. No. No. Okay, so it's only yeah. within the... So if you're within Grand Junction city limits... You have to pay you that. pay there. But 6%. if you're in no man's load... If in you're between, in unincorporated Mesa County, like yeah. out here, nobody's charging you anything. Okay. So... So that's where a lot of our Airbnbs are, but we don't benefit from it. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So, you know, the conversation maybe in the future with Mesa County to say, hey, is there a way that we can actually start you know, taking advantage of the fact that you have all these lodging opportunities in the, in the county that nobody's getting any benefit of. And have them tax it and distribute it amongst mm -hmm. Palisade and Grand Right, Church so if it's in 81526, then Palisade gets benefit of it. If it's yeah. within, if it's in Clifton, then Clifton gets it. If, That's going to make you a lot of friends. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the hard part you know, I'm sure but, you've experienced. <laughs> when you do anything on a governmental level, there's yeah. you make enemies. Yeah. Because you can't please everybody, but sometimes it's something that has to be done. You, know, you have to have that hard, that hard conversation. So it's something we've been looking at, and like, is there a way that we can benefit from it? But have you guys thought of? Because um, I agree, there should be some limit, because otherwise, you're right, people are yeah. just going to buy up the houses. Yeah. But what about some hybrid thing where there wasn't necessarily a limit on the amount we could have, but you limited the amount of nights people could rent, or even you know, locals complain about festival weekends. What about just like any festival weekend, anybody can rent their house out. So if you oh, want to, yeah. if you want to leave, mm -hmm. you have to pay the tax, of course. Right. But just having like special exceptions for yeah. weekends that are like it's an idea because then the town would benefit. Yeah. Then people that are like, I want to get the hell out of here, they can right. rent their house out and feel good about it, yeah. and they won't have to suffer. And then you're not opening up to chaos all year round. Yeah. It's just like, all right, bluegrass festival from Friday to Monday, everyone can. No, no restrictions. Yeah, something like that. I think that's. I think that's something that could be done. You know, do like a hybrid model. Because yeah. it's probably being done anyway. Mm, we know. Be. Yeah. That there are people who rent their house out. Water. Can I confirm or deny? Can I? Yeah, <laughs> not confirm or deny. But, but that gives them because it gives us another opportunity to say, hey, you're allowed to do this now. Yeah. You don't do it. You don't have to do it sneaking anymore. You can actually be out in the open. You can advertise for it. And up the tax. Make it twenty bucks a night. You know, yeah, so just for the holiday special festival, people who are going to rent the Airbnb aren't going to worry about an extra twenty bucks oh, or something. They're you not. Know, rather than stay in Junction, they're like, I can get a house here and walk. Yeah, yeah let's do yeah, it. Yeah. So I think that would be neat. Yeah, because I mean, there's whenever they stay in Junction, it's six percent. I mean, if you're spending two hundred dollars at your hotel room, you're paying twelve dollars. Oh, they pay a percentage. They pay a percentage. Here it's just a flat rate. Here's a flat fee. I see. So it doesn't matter how much your room is, it's still six dollars. Did you guys? Not do the percentage just to keep the hotel room rates it's, down. It's or? actually we. It's it's actually because of our, the way that our town is set up, the statutory laws that we have. We cannot actually tax on a percentage. We have to tax at a flat rate. Oh, it's a fee, not a tax. Oh, I see. Interesting. So That's just the laws of Palisade. It's just the laws of Palisade. Okay. Yeah. 
Next, I wanted to hear from Julianne directly how the tourism board can best receive feedback from the community. This summer, we had a lot of blow-ups happen on Facebook and the community groups. And while everyone has the right to say what they want to say, of course, I don't believe it's the best format to accomplish things or get things done. Clearly, uh, some of the tourism board doesn't believe that either. We'll hear from Julianne about whether they either read or respond to these comments that happen online. And she'll tell us maybe some better ways we can get in touch with the tourism board when we have feedback. How do you get most of your feedback from residents? Because Facebook, we have a bunch of Facebook groups here. They see, but no one comes to the meetings, as we've t- talked about very, before. Very, very few people few. come to the tab meetings. Yeah. So people have a lot of things to say, but they don't necessarily take the outlet yeah. to say it yeah. to you. Do you get calls or emails, like personally, it, about these things? I I don't necessarily get that many phone calls or, or, or emails, but I might hear something from somebody that talks to me like, like off the record type mm, of thing. Yeah. Um, or, but I, I would encourage people because I actually had somebody that I invited to the tourist meeting we had on Thursday because they were asking about things and I said, you know, just come to our meeting. Just listen. Just be there and just hear what we do and the process that we do it in because you'll actually get a better understanding of what what it is we do. So, because um, people don't get it. I mean, they, it's hard to understand. Well, what are they doing? What are they spending all this money on? Because yeah. like, they don't see it. Yeah. We're not buying an ad in the Daily Sun. We're not. We're not doing things that they see here locally because it's outside the area. Yeah. Except for the pet postcards and the maps, that's the only thing they're going to see here locally. But just come to a meeting, just listen, because then you're going to see and hear the conversations and say, "Oh my gosh, they're doing that. They're doing this." And so our marketing um, agency that we have reports every month all the campaigns, all the impressions we've had, how many click-throughs do we have? I mean, they can report every single month about. How, what our marketing is doing. So um, so we can actually get nip it in the bud and say, oh my God, that's not working. Let's get, let's get out of there. We're trying to do a campaign in, um, in the fall with some, uh, we're trying to encourage photos on Instagram for people to post, like people that are visiting. Hey, post your pictures that you take, right? So we did a contest to win wine festivals. We thought, oh, I'll encourage people to do it. It was a total flop. Really? I mean, it was, I think we had six people that responded. It was like, oh my God, this didn't work at all. So it's like, don't do that again. You know, some, sometimes it's trial and error. Of course. It doesn't work. But, um, but yeah, it's it, it. they just don't see it as much. So if they just, if they just came to a meeting, and, and if there really is, if there is something that really they're really having a concern for, yeah, just the chamber is always there. I mean, the chamber is open. It's open to the public. Even if you went to the chamber and said, hey, I have this concern, let her know, because Jessica's part of our committee, our board. So we'll hear that. And then we have had... Um, I'm trying to think. We probably had three or four open houses, like workshops that we had, and we invited anybody in town to come, and we talked about different things on the on the topic, and we invited them to come and talk. You know, we had maybe 40, 50 people. It was, it was good, but sometimes people are afraid to actually, especially if you're in a larger group, mm. for them to actually get, stay up and say, I don't like this. It's easier to write a nasty Facebook comment. Because you can hide behind Facebook, yeah. right? So it's like, no, come to the meeting. Which I actually disagree. I think it provides way more anxiety because you make this comment and then 10 minutes later you're like, well, let me check and see if someone responded. You know? And then if someone makes a snarky comment to you, now you're in this anxiety-ridden but, battle where if you just stood up in a room and said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Can you guys just like talk to me? And everyone's yeah. cool. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's it's like right. it's bad for society to yeah. do it that way. And we might have had a chance to actually satisfy your, your concern. Right. Because if you heard the answer that you wanted, then you're okay. Mm-hmm. But 
really, when you post it on Facebook, no one's really going to give you the right answer. No. Yeah, you're just going to start an argument. And I think also just putting faces to names. I don't think people realize what the, who is on the tourism board. Yeah. And that, you know, you can speak very intelligently about tourism. You have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. You have Tim Wanger, who's an international yeah. travel writer. He's yeah. worked in travel his whole life. Yeah. You have Jeff, who used to work for Aspen Ski Company, yeah. who has a ton of experience. Yeah. You have Jeff, who's mm-hmm. done this in Steamboat. Yeah. So you have a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. And you have Rondo, who's been here forever. Ever. And it's not just a bunch of, like, greedy people yeah. sitting around trying to ruin the town. No. And there's a lot of expertise on the board. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, we all live here. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's our backyard, too. Exactly. So we're going to be just as protective and, you know, concerned and have the same, we don't really want to grow big. I don't want to, want to I don't want Palestine to change. People have said, what do you want this to be in 20 years? I want it to be just like it is. Yeah. Maybe a few more restaurants. Maybe more another color, hotel. yeah. Stuff like that. Maybe some, some, but not different. Not a totally different, unrecognizable place. No, like we don't want those things. Sometimes happens in tourism. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so 20 years from now, I hope that we can sit here and have the same conversation and we're looking at the same stuff outside. Now, for any of you guys thinking I'm sucking up to Julianne there, please stop it. I'm not. You know, I was shocked when I came to Palisade and saw how much expertise was on the Palisade Tourism Board. I mean, we really do. For a town of 3,000 people, it is really an amazing selection of folks who have very different and very deep experience in tourism. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was important because it's easy to get very jaded towards government and just to assume that, It's a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about or whatever you want to say. But in this case, when you look at the backgrounds of a lot of people on the tourism board, they do have a lot of experience. And that gives me a lot of hope and trust in the future that informed decisions are going to be made. And you can't really ask for much more, I don't think, at the end of the day. So now moving on, looking ahead to our season right now, winter, it's dead around here, right? We feel like, where did everyone go? Well, does the tourism board want that to change? Is tourism going to come to Palisade in the winter at some point in the future? What about winter? Would you like to see that change and have visitors come here during the winter more? I would like to see some more. But again, we have so many businesses that don't open in the wintertime that it's hard. Because again, I don't want to bring people in if they can't have the same experience that they would have if they came in October. Yeah, so, nothing worse than going someplace and talking to locals. And they're like, you should be here in the summer. It's so amazing. Yes, and you're like, well, I'm here now. Open. Yeah, I'm here now. That's yeah. a cute story. You should come back in July. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So, but but yes, I would like more, like, I would love to see us partner more with Powerhorn. You know, and, and I know there are some, uh, like, I know the hotel does does partnerships with, with Powerhorn and things. But but I would love to see more people be aware of that, that we're here. And we could be the bedroom for Powerhorn. So, like, yeah, go ski, Powderhorn, go cross-country skiing, go snowmobiling, go have a great time. Then come back down and stay in Palisade. Have a quiet evening. Have and a have drink, a quiet evening. Hang out. Yeah. Yep. you got the distillery, you still have the brewery, you have several wineries that are still open. Come and enjoy Palisade. And, but, it's not, but, it's, but again, you're not going to fight the crowds. You're not going to suffer with a 100-degree heat. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a, you're going to be able to enjoy Palisade for really what it is. And you'll see Palisade more locally because... We're not going to have the tourists. So you can have a different experience. So I'd like to see some of that, but not to the point where, again, I don't want summer to equal winter. You like the break. We like the break. The show. Yeah. We like the break. Because we, we're going full force all summer long. We're, from, mm. we're going full force from April until November. 
right? And so we're going the majority of the year. And so it's like, if we can have a little bit of a slower time and kind of like sit back and yeah, I would like to see that. I don't want to, I don't want to give it up. Yeah. I'm being selfish. You, you've been here a long time. Do you think there'll ever be a time when winter is just supported locally where we could have a functioning downtown? I mean, some businesses stay mm-hmm. open, but as you say, some close. Do you think just our population changing and its demographics a bit, as it seems to be, will help that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I do think so. Because that would be nice to have downtown be really a gathering place all yeah. year round yeah. rather than... Yeah, absolutely. But winter, again, everybody who lives here works in such a high-energy state all summer that it's almost like, oh, okay, yeah. Good. yeah. You know, shut it down. And then, Close and then the curtains. Most people are outdoors people. or go. They want to go in and enjoy the winters, the winter skate as well. So if you're going to open seven days a week, you can't go and do that. Yeah. So I think it's just a balance. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see us have more opportunities for people to come during the winter time. And just, like I said, get that connection for Powerborn. So then going to Hot Rise and Drive, come here. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot more to offer. Definitely. But, yeah. And as long as, like, like we just set the expectation, say, you know, you might find some restaurants that might, you know, maybe some restaurants will close earlier or they might, some of the stores might not be open. But, you know, there's a lot still to see and a lot still to do. Yeah. So, Here's an idea for you, something to throw around okay. your brain. Actually, Ben Parsons had this idea, okay. and I thought it was brilliant. And maybe you know, maybe they've tried this. Have they ever tried to make a local train that connects Palisade <laughs> Junction and Fruta? Because, you know, like, how cool would that be to be able to, even for us, to just jump on the train and go to Junction for the evening for dinner and jump on the train back or go out to Fruta, and you have more of a little bit of a local economy swapping right. here. Right. Have they ever tried or thought about that? We've thought about it several times. How's that, um, how does that go? And it's an act of God. Um, it's, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's trying to work with the train company. Because it would be Amtrak? It's Amtrak. Okay. Um, and what we have been told is the only way that it can stop in Palisade or in Fruta is we have to have a train depot built that can't just stop and let people off the track. What, do you, what does a depot consist of? Like Just a little an actual, building? An actual building like where awning? you would have an awning. You would have safe side track. And the side of the track would be actually safer for them to get off on. And so it has an area where they can get off the train and be safe into a building before the but train you need a building? There's so building. many train stops. Actually, just an awning. I know. But, well, like you look at downtown Denver, right? The, exactly. The, the short rail there? Just awnings. They're bus stops. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a different kind of train. Oh, Different kind of train. Okay. So, yeah, so that, that's a conversation that we said we, we have to, have to, actually have to have a depot up, which, you know, we have the, um, even though it wasn't the de- train depot, but, you know, Scott High owns the um, old mountain lion building. Right. That building would be amazing. That would be amazing. But it would take some money and a lot more conversation, and it would probably be something that would be years down the road, but yeah, I, would, I, would be lo- I would love to actually see that train stop. Does Junction have a, they have a building already, yes. so they would need one. Let's pitch them. They pay for our building. This way their residents can come and join Palisades. They're trying to rebuild, <laughs> they're trying to renovate and restore their train depot. The old one, the actual, the actual train depot. But, but yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah, could the town get behind some of that? Are there grants available? I'm sure there are. It's just having, it's just getting a group of people together. That'd be a totally separate committee. But, uh, but yeah, it would be an awesome idea. Because then, now you have Hey, we will have 
wine trains. We will have fruit trains. We will have... Yeah, Ben's idea was you take the train in from Junction and then get off and then a wine bus picks you up and you start going around we and have then the you trailing. get back on the train. Yeah. We have the trolley. Yeah. So that's already that's already there. You have Pal- Pally Tours. You have we ha- Pedicap. I mean, Mark can pick up people. It's totally. like you could, you could, it's a combination of all our tour companies that we already have and just getting that train to stop. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's an idea I would love to see pursued, but um, it would take some money. Yeah, but you don't see it in the near future. Not in the near, near future, but. Possibly. Yes. You're not closing the door on it. No, no. Because <laughs> there are, there are wine trains, per se, that stop in Junction and people get get picked up on a bus and they got brought here but they don't stay in Palisade you know and so that's kind of just we've been having to say let's get let's start there get that so when they do the wine tour wine train let's get that competition and we said okay we want to be part of that we want you to actually stay in Palisade and we to and we take you to the wine house here because we don't want you going back to Junction to stay there yes not to go back to the train station in Grand Junction the next morning but that's okay but let's have them actually stay in Palisade yeah. So, um, so that's already a company that's Amtrak as well. But we said let's just get that conversation first, and then see what we can do about getting getting them to stop in Palisade, which would be more awesome. Yeah, keep me updated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if we if, if it ever does get started, like I said, it would take a committee of people to actually make that happen. So I think if it if it's a conversation that does really start to to go, then it would be like, okay, anybody interested in doing this, let's have a meeting. Anybody interested in getting a train to connect Palisade, Grand Junction, Fruta? Reach out to Julianne. That'd be cool. We're going to move into another part of our conversation, just getting into a little bit of Julianne's day-to-day life and whether this is stressful being part of the tourism board or not. We'll also take a look back in time. What was Palisade like 10 years ago? How has it changed? And what are some things that remain the same in Julianne's mind? Do you feel a lot of stress as... Being doing all the jobs you do, being on these committees and being at the head of the tourism board. Sometimes. Like you, you said know, that I mean, you said that people other times when you're in a public office you yeah. get the people that don't like you. Do do you have haters? You don't you seem like such a nice person. I don't feel like Well I, I have you, had have you experienced I've that? I've had like we when you talk we talk about like Facebook or talk about like people that be negative about tourism. I've had people say, you know, this is all your fault. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> But yeah. what is all your fault? That the tourism is that people boring. are here. Yeah. Okay. That we brought too many people here. What was it compared to like when you think back to 2010 or 2013 when you bought this property? Was the festivals were just sort of the main deal, and then otherwise it was dead, and people weren't here it all was, the time. Yeah, it, it, we didn't have we weren't a destination. So people came through, people visited, or or if you had family in town, you went to the wineries. It was kind of a thing to do, but it wasn't. It wasn't like an actual destination where someone planned a trip and said, we're going to wine country in Palisade, we're staying, we're doing this and this and this and this. So um, that's changed. That perspective has changed. And that, I mean, and the reason for that, I think, was because we got on a couple lists, again, it was after the hotel was built, um, was that we were noted in 2012 on TripAdvisor that we were in the top 10 destinations for wine destinations. Mm. We were in with Walla Walla and... Napa and Sonoma. It's a big step for us. And yeah. Willamette and New York. We're like, well, well, wait a minute. We're in the top 10. Our little tiny little Palisade is in with all those big guys. That was a huge kudos for us. Definitely. And so those kind of things is what started the ball rolling because when that happens, like people, then other like writers 
you know, when you have a journalist suddenly goes, hey, we might come and write a story about Palisade. Oh, yeah. It's because they've heard those things or they've seen those things. But wait, whoa, wait, what's Palisade? Yeah. So it gets you recognized and then it becomes where you get more and more and more. And so it's amazing how many articles we have now that we've been noted. So I think that all helped in getting people to say, wait a minute, we're going to Palisade. It used to be, we're going to Junction. Maybe we'll go through Palisade. They don't even know they're going to go to Palisade. They're just going to the wine country. They're going to do wineries. But they don't even know they're going to Palisade. You know what I mean? They had no. They didn't disconnect it from Grand Junction. Oh, now, I, that's when I lived in Denver. That was totally true. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I knew about we talk about Grand Junction, people would just talk about like it was a meth town. Yeah. And it was a stopover, like get your Chipotle before you go to Moab. Right. And then I didn't know anything about Palisade until uh, an ex-girlfriend went to a bachelorette party there. See. Here. I should say. <laughs> and I, that was like what everyone knew Palisade for was bachelorette parties. Yeah. Is that, do we have that many still? Oh, we still have many. I think they're just more mixed in now that I don't notice yes. them as much. Yeah. And, but that's and, a big draw for but people. But it's still here. a big draw. It's yeah. still a big draw. I mean, Rondo would tell you, he rents a ton of bikes to, mm-hmm. to bridal parties. But but it's grown to be not just bridal parties. We have groom parties now. Really? I have had several... Is like, that a bachelorette par- or a bachelor party, you mean? Yeah, a bachelor yeah, party. Groom party. Groom party. So they, they come and they're golf buddies. Oh. They come out for a golf weekend and they're including the wines. And so, um, you know, it's just, we've had, and we've got just girl weekends. We have just guy weekends. We have, they're, they're different reasons for coming, but they're groups. So they're not, we don't just get couples anymore. We're getting groups. So people are getting together as friends saying, let's go. Let's do. And we had a group here um, on Saturday. There were ten, and they a bunch of friends all got together. They were from California, New York, Chicago, Texas, and here. There were three. Three of them were from local. But they got all their friends together and said, "We're having a big party here." So we we have people that are putting those ideas together and saying, "That's a fun idea. That's a fun trip to come to Palisade." It's great to hear all those stories. It is great because it really it's, it's like we we were. Like you said, 10 years ago, oh, no, where's Palisade? I was, I went to the shows. I was trying to market Palisade <laughs> and get people to realize us. And they would go, well, where's Palisade? I go, well, we're just east of Grand Junction. Oh, yeah, we drive through there. We drive by there on the way to Moab. But they never stopped. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And finally, we got noticed. Yeah. And now we're reaping the benefit of that. And I think it's great. And we hope. We don't know. I mean, this might, because this could stop. Yeah, tourism stuff. Tourism stuff. Tourism stuff. Tourism is tough. And sometimes the problem, it's hard to tell whether it's tougher when you don't have enough or it's tougher when you have too much. Next, we're going to talk about tourism as a dependent economy and how once the tourists start coming and your businesses start relying on that influx of tourists and then new businesses form to support new tourists, that you create this snowball where it's very, very difficult to go backwards and it's very difficult to control the growth. And one of the things I wanted to know from Julianne is how she and the tourism board plan on helping Palisade maintain its small town image while the growth happens. I mean, it's it's a dependent economy is what it is. It is. And dependent economies are very yep. dependent, dependent upon people coming. Yep. And if for any reason people stop coming, just look what just happened in Hawaii. Yep. Lahaina in yep. August burnt down. Yep. Just got back from a two-week trip there, was guiding. Yeah. And it's just, it really revealed, I did a lot of thinking there because it really just reveals tourism is so great in a lot of ways. It brings so much money to those islands. It diversifies their economy. It gives people that outlet, but 
it is really a compassionless industry because once it's all built, it's, you know, the saying is like, if you build it, they will come. But now it should be, if you build it, they must come. Right. Because the second Lahaina burnt down and Maui sort of shut down, the drumbeat just started. They had like a couple days where it's like, oh, these poor people. And then it's like, okay, you hear the drum starting like, when do we have people come back? Yeah. Well, I mean, right now you have a lot of Lahaina residents who are, I think at last count, about 6,000 were still living in hotels. Yeah. And the islands are like, no, we need to have people back. We need to have people back. Where are they going? Well, they have, some hotels are, are lodging residents and some now are yeah. housing visitors. And in the beginning, they were staying at the same hotels. But isn't that, I mean, it's just so amazing. Like that's how desperate the economy yeah. becomes and how reliant. Yeah, so even an absolute tragedy that destroys an entire historic town. That was the first capital yes. of Hawaii. Right. Not even that can stop tourism. Yeah. So if you dropped an atomic bomb on yeah. uh, you know a place, you would still want tourists to come right after right. Right. because you're so locked into it. And that's just the scary part. And when you have a small yeah. town like Palisade, we always talk like, oh, well, we'll know when enough is enough. Yeah. But if the more economic stakeholders you get, the harder it is yeah. to turn it off. You know, it, it, when, when this area was dependent on gas, oil and gas, right, back in the 70s and 80s, and everyone was making lots of money, everything was going great, and all of a sudden Black Sunday happened. And then... I'm not familiar Hull- with Black Sunday. So Black Sunday was when basically Halliburton pulled out. And so they said, we're done. Closed all the gas. I mean, they just left. Why did they do that? Just financial reasons? Yeah. Just, just wasn't worth their time go, anymore? got to go with gases, right? Mm. So um, it just stopped. And so that was what Black Sunday was. I think it was in 1985 or something. I, went, I wasn't here, but um, heard all kinds of stories. But literally, everything stopped. They, housing crashed. You could buy a house for nothing because nobody was living here. All those people that worked for the company left as well. So you had this mass exodus, and suddenly it was like stores were closing, nobody was shopping. It was just that, you know, that economic you know, domino that once that, that major catastrophe happens, it destroys everything else behind it. And it took a long, long time to recover. But what they learned from that is like, we will never depend on one thing again. And so that's why Grand Junction kind of just said, what are other things that we have that we can actually start working on and not have it all, having all of our eggs in one basket? Yeah. And tourism was one of the things they said, we have to go after tourists. We have to bring tourism dollars here because they don't go away. I mean, if anything, if anything does happen, they come right back. Yeah. You know, so it's... For the most part. For the most part. So you can pretty much... You can pretty much count on that. So that's when they started really marketing our wineries because they lost everything else. So like you said, absolutely, it's it's true. Tourism is, if you're an area that that relies on tourism, it's a great element to to have because you can count on it. There's not very much that's going to turn it off. I mean, unless we get into another recession. I mean, we can't, we can't, have any control of that. If that happens, and yes, something's going to happen, people aren't going to travel as much. But those dollars will still be there a little bit, and they'll and they'll probably come back once things get better. So I think tourism is a sustainable um, entity to kind of have a, an area depend on. Because yeah, we're not depending on oil and gas, which can go tomorrow, or um, yeah, a but- big industry that we we don't have anything like that. We're not we're not. We're not into forestry. We're not. There's nothing like that. So yeah. the trick know. is, can we maintain our personality while yes. we grow that, and yeah. not become a homogenized Times right. Square, not have a bunch of chains gotcha. move in, not have downtown be Subway yeah. and Burger King, yeah. and yeah. 
and all that stuff. But again, that's that's when you get that that relationship with the town and that comprehensive plan that we did. Yeah, that was huge. There's no. I don't think people realize how big that was to put yeah. all that down. Because that's that's how you start. You yeah. don't you try to control that you're not going to have the big chain stores, the chains. We're not going to have them here because that's part of our that's in our comprehensive plan. We don't want that. We want our own identity not to look like. That's why we don't have a McDonald's. That's why we don't have a Starbucks. Is the subway coming? I know we talked about you know, that earlier. I don't think we, we discussed it. I have heard, it. you know, uh, I've heard it both ways. I've heard that, yes, it's just it's going to come eventually, but then I've heard it's on hold. Ho-hum. Who knows? The I mean, they should have already been up. But, well, I remember uh, the town meeting was, yeah. you know, it was a while ago. I think it's it was almost two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, in fact, he built another one before he built this one. So Maybe he's full now. I don't know. So, who knows? But if he's not going to do it, I mean, I've always been. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna want to do something, and something happens, you don't do it. Let's open it up for someone else to come in. Yeah. Because just tying that property up now, we can we could have something else coming in there that might be better. Do you think if we had that game plan when that decision was being made that they would have accepted a subway to go there? Probably not. Interesting, right? Yeah, because a lot of the Palisade game plan is about protecting the character yeah. of Palisade, which yeah. I'm not. I mean, nothing against Subway in particular, but any train, you know, it's right. just, that's the thing with travel, it's interesting, I've been realizing too, the, where you, now because there's so many international chains, every place is just getting more like everywhere else. Okay. Like you go to London and you can find exactly the same things as when you go to Tokyo and then you yeah. go to Australia and unless you're really being a good traveler and finding those really local things, you could, it's the same thing. Right, right. It's the same chains, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. The only good thing about those kind of places, like we were we were in Portugal last winter, and I haven't been there in a long time, so it, there's a lot of things that have changed. There was a lot that was the same. But we went to the little town in Nezabah, and there was a McDonald's there, and it just like floored me. I mean, this was a little fishing village when I, the last time I was there, and now they had McDonald's, and I thought, oh my God, what is McDonald's doing here, right? Because it it doesn't fit the, the whole character of the town. But anyway, but it was familiar to us. We knew exactly what was there, what we could get, right? So we went in, and actually we were we had just gone in to get. We were. I'm in the mood for fries. Let's just let's just get yeah. McDonald's fries, right? Because there's no fries in Portugal, and so we just went in there for the for that, just because we knew that we could get that. But that's the one thing about traveling. Yeah, I I love. I will go local everything. I want to totally dive into the culture wherever I am, but. When you see like a McDonald's or you know something that's familiar, like a chain like that, it's like okay, that's a little bit of home, and get something a little bit more familiar because you yeah. know what it is. It's just like a break maybe, but um, I get it, and it's exhausting you know, to always be crusading for the most yeah, local thing yeah, and, and all yeah. that. And sometimes you're just hungry and you want yeah. to know what you're going to get and what your expectations are. And it's, yeah. it's I personally don't go to those places, yeah, but I, I get why people do. Also, it's mostly the local people eating there yeah. because they like American food. Yeah, they think yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether but, you know whatever, but but you know, but yeah. So you know, and not all chains are bad, but. The idea is, you know, if you try to keep it all mom and pop, then we all have that same understanding of where our business is coming from. And so we'll have that same mentality and that same motivation. Because if you bring in a big chain that's more corporate, they don't necessarily care about the community. Not at all. No. You know, if your local Little League went, walked in there and asked for a donation, probably let them go, well, we have to go to corporate first. Of course. Right? Yeah. Well, if it was... You or I, and they came in here, yeah, I'm going to give it to them because 
I'm part of this town. I know these kids. I know their parents. That kind of stuff. And so it's when you go into it, when you have those corporate elements, it's and you lose your you lose your competitive advantage. Yeah. Because people come oh, to Palisade yeah. because it's a small local yeah. town. Yeah. They can stay in Denver and eat McDonald's, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I know people will do it if the temptation is there. But travelers that are going to come here, yeah. they come here for that yeah. personality of the town. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you sell out, it's just one after yeah. another. It happens slow, but then you're just like every yeah. place else, yeah. and you lose it. And for the most part, they want to support that mom and pop because they know we're a small business, and they want to support that. Yeah, and that's so. why they come. I hope so. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap it up, but All I have right. one, one final question. Sure. Curious, just thinking about the future of tourism, mm -hmm. you know, what's one thing that you're excited about and one thing that like keeps you up at night? Do you have anything come to mind? Well, I'm excited about this new grant. So getting this Do Palisade Right campaign going, I'm really excited about that. I think it's something that we felt a really need, a strong need for, and this grant came by, and it's the perfect opportunity and the perfect timing. So I'm really excited about getting started on that. And the thing that keeps me up at night is just what you were just talking about, is where is Palisade going to go? You know, Are we going to be able to keep this momentum going? with the small budget that we do have, because it's not going to grow very much until we get more hotels and more lodging. So can we maintain our momentum and be responsible to people in Palisade? Fair enough. Is there any other way that other tourism boards grow their budgets, except from lodging tax? You know, some we, we've had this conversation with some of the other, uh, like the state boards, and there are some that have put in like a, uh, a tourism fee that, Businesses can actually start paying into, like a resort fee, that kind of thing, so that all store, all, all businesses have to pay into it. Those kind of ways, because lodging tax comes from lodging. So if your lodging increases, yes, you get a hotel bill, you get more money. Or the other way is you have to keep increasing your fee. So uh, like Grand Junction just just increased theirs from, uh, they were at 3%, they went to 6%. Ours was $2 a night. This is the first time we've increased it since 2009 when we implemented it. So now we went from $2 to $6. With that was that a good idea. $2 going to the safety, um, public safety. But it's increased our budget. I mean, we doubled our budget, really, by doing that because we have no other way of doing it. And it'd be, I think it'd be really difficult to try to to get businesses to pay into it because how do you how do you make it fit? Do you base it on... Their, their sales, do you base it on, you know, where they are in the community? I mean, so are, you, are, you gonna, are we going to tax the outside people in 8526 or just the center of town? So it's... Yeah, and if you have, like, another difficult. sales tax, then everything gets so expensive yes. to buy. Yes, you know, we don't want to add a resort fee. It's just like we don't want to be that kind of place. Um, so it's like, no, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. And, and again, like we said, we don't... We want to keep maintaining what we do and maybe do a little bit extra... They will do more maps. They will do more postcards. So those kind of things do things for the community. Something that we can actually put up. Like we'd love to put up. Um, we're talking, talk, trying to the idea of like doing some kind of a, a visual little like a uh, some kind of photo op opportunity that we can put set up in different areas that people can actually take pictures of. Oh, okay, yeah. And show they're in Palisade, that kind of thing. So we we're looking at things like that. Yeah, people love science. They love that. They're welcome those to Palisade. Science, right? Welcome to Palisade take a science. picture in front so, you know, of it. Something like that that we can actually have in the community that would be a permanent fixture but we don't we know we can't we're not increasing in size we know we don't have we don't worry about having a, we're having, we need a million dollar budget someday we know we're not going to get there because we don't have to be there um so yeah i think it's that's interesting really, 
tourism, I've never seen a tourism industry do this, but I know oil does this in Alaska, where if you're a resident of Alaska, because you have to put up with all the oil and gas stuff, you actually get a kickback every oh, year. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I have. Yeah, and so I think Alaskans, if you're a resident, you get two grand a year, plus or minus, depending on how the business goes, like as a stipend per year. Mm -hmm. I always thought that'd be interesting for tourism to set up a system where, because it would then really incentivize people who live there to say, okay, you know what, I don't mind putting up with the tourists because I know at the end of the year I'm going to get a check for 1500 bucks, right. and right. that's some that's some grocery money right, right there. Right, right. But I've never seen a destination do it. Yeah. You'd have to have a really big budget to do something like that. It'd be complicated. Yeah. I mean, they figure there's 3,000 residents in Palisade, so that's a lot of money. Yeah, everyone gets a check for two bucks. <laughs> Whatever. Well, Julian, thanks for the great conversation and You're the great welcome. wine. It was thanks. really good to get to know you a little better. And thanks for all you do for Palisade and You're enjoy welcome. your time off. <laughs> yeah, to. I was going to suggest a winter festival, but maybe you're too busy, so I have to use the time oh, to relax. Man. One of these days. One of these days. And a big thank you to all you for tuning in. Hope you. Learned a little bit more about tourism and Palisade, how everything works. Any questions, comments, feedback, reach out to me at Palisade Podcast on Instagram. We're going to have a busy week of recording coming up. Liat from Wake the Voice. She's the proud owner of a new singing course here in town. She's going to come on and help me figure out why I've always been scared to sing in public. And a return guest, episode number two, Joe Flynn. He will be coming back to the podcast He's headed out on a world tour. We're going to hear about where, when, and why. Also, Mike from Pally Thai, Mark from the Palisade Pedicab, Jenny Baldwin-Eaton from the Colorado wine industry. Thank you, everyone, and stay tuned. This is the Palisade Podcast. the terrain flying high up once again got my crew sitting healthy and my boo living wealthy level 99 never settle in my mind so i pedal and i climb up the pedestal and find almighty weapons so i calm lightly step into the castle satchel tackled wrestled down the corridor where i'm grounded through the floor roundhouse into my core down out and through the door sword down at my side i gotta round up and ride face boss break jaws till i take off face off stop and swing my serious Strike. This is it. Take the title, disappear in the night to the whole wide world. Got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the whole wide world. Slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle. Then I walk out and travel to the whole wide world. Got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the whole wide world. Slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle. Then I walk out and travel to the whole wide world. Oh, why?